check, check. One, two, check. Mic's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. All right, well, welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 25, and uh, I I am looking into the Rockwood staff and, and found a, a gem of a person to get to talk to and get to learn a little bit more about. His name is Emmanuel Young, but Emmanuel, I want you to tell me, what is your title here at, at Rockwood? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, let me just say it is an honor to be on a podcast. Oh, I'm you're huge, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a huge fan of the genre. I love yeah. podcasts. I listen to them to and fro uh, going to work, which is uh, been a little absent lately. Uh, but I love podcasts. I've enjoyed listening to a handful of episodes that you've recorded and just found them to be very beneficial. So it's an honor to be here today. Uh, but to your question, my name is Emmanuel Young, and I am the coordinator of the Partners in Education Department here in the Rockwood School District. Yes. Yeah, so when you talk about, for those of us who might not understand what Partners in Education is, can you give us a little background, a little history maybe of, of what that organization or what Partners in Education really does for our kids? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Partners in Education uh, wasn't actually birthed in Rockwood. It was a national kind of piece of right. uh Working with the business community, I'm not exactly sure when kind of Partners in Education uh, was kind of established as a nationwide initiative, but it's been in the Rockwood School District for over 30 years now. Uh, We serve uh, all school buildings in our district, pre-K all the way through 12. And I like to think about our business as a kind of a pie. In fact, it's our acronym, Partners in Education, Mm -hmm. is pie. So I like to think about uh, these kind of slices of the pie. Uh, the largest slice of our pie right now is classroom presentations. Uh, so basically, that's bringing in professional uh, presenters to come into our schools and to share information with schools, uh, with students rather. Uh, and the goal is to really help to uh, support and enhance the curriculum. So a teacher may be teaching on a specialized topic and they want an expert to come in uh, just to kind of share what it looks like in their profession or to maybe share a little bit more about the topic. That's when they would contact our department and we'd uh, find someone who would uh, fit the needs of the class and the curriculum, and we'd uh, serve that classroom. So that's the big, biggest piece of our bucket, or biggest slice of our pie, rather, yeah. classroom presentations. Um, we also do special events, uh, and this is a, a large slice of the pie just because of the volume and how many students we, we serve. Uh, so with your school in particular, we do the eighth grade career conference mm-hmm. uh, in which every single student gets an opportunity to speak with four professionals from uh, career fields of their interest. So you may have a student that's interested in cosmetology, but also has an interest in uh, biology. Well, we'll do our best to get them in front of a cosmetologist and then also someone that practices uh, in the field of biology. And again, they get to pick four professionals. So that is one of our largest events. I think we see something close to 2,000 students, uh, Masameno's there. Uh, We also do an event for our uh, now third grade students called Missouri Heritage Days, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Those students, as a part of their social studies curriculum, get to learn about uh, kind of the early days of Missouri history. Uh, We have professionals, uh, actors come in and kind of reenact what it was like to to be an early settler in the state of Missouri. And then we also have kind of a complimentary event for eighth grade students, which is our Civil War uh, reenactment day. So that's, that's the second slice of our pie. And then the third piece, uh, I like to call our career readiness programs. So we have a career exploration program, which is uh, open to high school students. They can go and shadow or explore a um, profession of their choice for a couple of hours, get to ask some questions, see what a day in the life is like. Uh, and it's a really uh, fun event. We serve, you know, about 10 to 15 percent of all high school uh, juniors through their program on an annual basis. And then we have uh, our internship program, which is uh, Project Interface. And it's uh, similar to Career Exploration, except it is, uh, it's over a course of a number of weeks. Students have to complete a minimum of 75 hours uh, shadowing and working in a field of their choice. Students do on-site projects. They get an opportunity to interview professionals in the field. Uh, it's just really a great opportunity for students to test drive a career of their choice. Yeah, so um, yeah, are you heading into your second year of doing this, or is this your third I, now? I, I am. Cue the sound effects, the whistles and the applause. 
Yep. I just completed my first uh, year in this role. (laughs) (laughs) And as of July, uh, I guess, first here, 2020, going into my second year. Yeah. So um, I have to ask because I feel like uh, you and your personality coming in, um, it's like you, you came in right away and fit right in and knew it's like I, I can tell you have a vision for things um, and where, where you would like to, to see things head. I just feel like you've been doing it for a little while now because it, it seems like once you got into this role, um, we started to hear. I love the fact that when I sit with you in um, a, a district meeting, let's say, um, that uh, you are not bashful or shy. Has it always been that way for you? Uh, I have to say, uh, there's always been elements in my personality, uh, that have been like that, but I would say since my late high school, early college years, I've pretty much been this way. Uh, some people would describe me as a ball of passion, uh, which can be a great thing. And it's definitely a, a game changer or a difference, uh, that I bring to, a lot of the rooms that I'm in, but sometimes it also gets me in trouble. Sometimes I just need to (laughs) hold my lips together so I don't talk too much. Yeah. But you know what, what I appreciate is that you're willing to talk. I mean, that, that is something that we need to hear, uh, from people, you know, more, more of, I I feel like sometimes when leaders get together, people don't want to say the wrong thing or, or are afraid to, um, look silly, that kind of stuff. And so it's so nice and refreshing. Um, when I say you're not shy, it's not that you're overbearing. It's just so nice to finally hear somebody really want to, to express their thoughts and ideas of, of what we're kind of going through at the moment. And so, um, you and I got to sit down at a, at a meeting, I guess that was in first semester. It had to have been because we really didn't have a second semester together, uh, live. Um, so, but I can remember we were posed with a question, about, you know, why did you get into education and, and share with us a little bit about, about why you decided to turn into education. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would love to address it, but I want to just take a step back for a second. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate what you were saying there. And I just want to say, um, when I got into education, I heard something <laughs> that forever changed me. Uh, and what the person said that was interviewing me, they said, you know, you can't pretend in front of kids. You can't pretend to be somebody that you're not. The best thing you can do is to be authentic, be your true self, because kids will see right through you. Sure. And that person was so wise. Uh, something else that I just wanted to kind of mention there, you were talking about, you know, how um, some leadership um, – or some leaders are afraid of saying the wrong things. And I totally understand that. And, you know, being cautious and I try to also be prudent, especially as I get a little bit older here. Um, <laughs> I know you're laughing, but I'm the one with the gray hair. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I just hide it better. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I read a book uh, not too long ago, a couple of years ago. Um, it's from the authors of uh, Freakonomics. Yeah. And one of the things that they, they talked about is, you know, the three hardest words in the English language are, I don't know, is a phrase. I don't know. Not enough people in you know our country are confident enough to say, I don't know. Or even a secondary phrase of, you know, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Uh, and those are phrases that I've learned to own, especially being married for uh, seven years now. <laughs> so that's a shout out to my wife there. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, just to talk a little bit about my path and how I ended up in education. Um, so I'm originally from St. Louis. I grew up in North County, um, love North County. Uh, definitely holds a special place in my heart. Um, growing up in North County, uh, I went to the uh, Hazelwood School District, uh, and I had pretty good school experiences. Uh, but I, I do want to just kind of tell the whole picture, and, and I'm sorry I'm not able to really part it out. I just have to tell oh, you. You're all. all right. You're all right. Okay, so listeners, bear with me. I'm going to have yeah. to tell it kind of as a narrative <laughs> style. Uh, prior to Prior to going to Hazelwood schools, I actually went to a a daycare that I believe also had a kindergarten attached to it. And at this daycare, um, my self-image was really kind of scarred at an early age. And I'll tell you why. At about 18 months old, uh, my parents were giving me a bath and they thought that they left a little bit of soap in my hair. And so they tried to wash it out and they realized, oh, well, he has a little bit of gray hair. And then a little bit of gray hair turned into a lot of gray hair. And, you know, I have five white spots in my hair and I've had them since I was 18 months old. Um, 
now I've gotten to the point where people kind of think it's cool that I look a little bit different and, you know, I stand out from the crowd. But when I was young, I mean, it was really, really hard to, to kind of navigate that because I was constantly teased. And that teasing started at daycare. And it started uh, from the mouth of a daycare provider mm-hmm. in which uh, I heard terms on a regular basis like 101 Dalmatian and mm-hmm. Spot. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And basically what they did was they – they talked to other students that it was okay that we tease one another like that. Uh, and other students had names as well, but it really scarred my self-image. And I had a low view of self for a very long time. And it's something that I've had to uh, fight against for quite a bit of my uh, upbringing. But anyway, it was kind of my initial initial introduction to school. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved school, was a good student, had done well, uh, and eventually ended up in Hazelwood schools. And I'm so- and again, this is nothing against the Hazelwood School District. Again, they have a special part uh, place in my heart. But I heard the same type of commentary from um, from an employee of the district uh, within a couple of weeks of arriving. You know, I was called Skunk, and that became kind of my nickname in front of the class. And again, I thought, you know, from leaving the preschool experience that I kind of escaped that, but it just followed me in the elementary school. So that was a very kind of tough part of my upbringing, constantly being, you know, teased uh, throughout school. Um, and it got to a point, to be honest with you, where, you know, um, that I start to kind of fight back, you know, uh, not necessarily with my words as much as, you know, occasionally I would get in a fight. And I hate that there was a part of my schooling, again, because I was someone that really enjoyed school, did well, uh, was tracked in some of the uh, advanced courses, you know, as I got a little bit closer to, to middle school. But again, that was kind of my experience in school. It was constantly getting in trouble because I had to defend myself against students that were bullying me. Uh, and like I said, it, it really scarred me. Um, I will kind of talk a little bit about the education path here in a second, but I want to talk about this bullying piece because, again, it's hard to in- in separate uh, or separate this from my entire passion for being in education. Sure. Um, but things really reached kind of a, a, a boiling point, I guess, when I was in middle school. Um, in seventh grade, I had a dozen plus referrals for, uh, you know, um, well, actually, I got in trouble for talking, <laughs> so it's natural that I kind of became okay, a teacher so where that, I could get that, paid to get talk. I, so I should be hey, honest about that. Hey, and I'm going to stop you for a second because sure. I will say that's the first thing that I've I've been like, huh, okay, I could see where <laughs> he might get in trouble for talking. But the fighting thing, it, knowing you as, as, as much as I do know you or as little as I do, um, you seem like such a kind, gentle person. So to know that you had to get physical at times because you wanted to defend yourself um, is eye-opening for me. And and um, But I, I, I could see where the talking might get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 and it still does. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I will be honest there and say that uh, quite a few of those referrals were for talking in class. You know, I had the <laughs> occasional detention or yeah. I should say not so occasional. Yeah, but, right. um yeah, but I definitely got in trouble there. But then I had, you know, I got in a couple of fights. And those fights were, again, a result of bullying. Like, yeah. I was not the aggressor. I was the person kind of defending myself because people thought it was okay to bully me beyond just using words and actually to put their hands on me and to, you know, make me seem like I was less than. Uh, and it really hurt. And it got to a point where I just had to defend myself and I had to fight back. It really reached a boiling point. Again, I wish that there, it didn't come to that and it wasn't my experience, but it is. And I think that. You know, I've been able to use those stories uh, to help other students. Uh, But anyway, in the eighth grade, there was a student who constantly, constantly bullied me uh, every single day. And he was in my gym class. Now, something you also have to know about me outside of having the white spots, I was uh, I was overweight and, you know, I wanted to play football, but I was terribly uncoordinated. I was so uncoordinated that I couldn't even do jumping jacks like my own parents had to kind of laugh when they saw me trying to dance. I mean, they loved me, but, you know, <laughs> they, they laughed at me and with me, uh, but I was terribly uncoordinated. Uh, and so it was just an interesting period of life, like middle school can be sure, for a lot of people. Sure. Um, but this guy constantly bullied me every single day. And one day we're out in the field um, and we're playing softball and I was terrible. Like, and I'm out there looking at the daisies. I'm watching the airplanes <laughs> go by. And finally someone hits a ball out my way and like, I totally miss it. And then when I throw the ball, it's all misguided. And I mean, it goes way out in the left. I'm like, Oh man, I'm terrible. And you know, the guys let me hear it. Well, we go back to the locker room and I'm getting undressed and this guy, he just goes to the task on me. I mean, he's just ripping me apart, 
talking about my hair, talking about my athletic ability, just really tearing me apart just to get aroused out of the rest of the class. And then he does something that, that I didn't expect, and I don't know what really provoked him to do it uh, because, again, he was kind of a tough guy, mm-hmm. uh, what maybe historically we would call it tough. But he smacks me on the face like hard while I'm facing a locker, and I'm thinking, what? And, like, in that moment, I just lose it. Like, I'm already emotional. I'm already hurt because he's just tearing me apart in front of everybody else, and I can't really do anything to, you know, defend myself. Everybody's laughing. He has to crowd. And when he smacked me, like, something just snapped in me. And, you know, at that time I was taking a lock off my locker and I was just, I threw it. Now here's something I do want to say in the story. That year, at the start of the school year, our principal had a a, a class meeting and he said, you know, this is going to be the year in which, you know, we excel academically and we're not going to have, you know, these incidents that we had in the prior year. So this year, instead of fighting, if, you know, you get upset, you know, uh, Throw something on the ground, punch a locker, but don't don't fight. You know, f- find an administrator, do something mm-hmm. different. Right. And I was I remembered that. I mean, again, like I said, I was generally a good student, and I wanted to do well and to please my teachers and all that. Uh, and so again, when I threw that lock, I threw it because I was angry and I was blowing off steam. Well, believe it or not, that lock hit him right in the head. Mm. And to this day, I don't know how that happened being as uncoordinated as I was. Mm. And as soon as it happened, I was like, Oh my gosh. And I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, and I, I mean, I'm crying. I'm like a baby just mm-hmm. sobbing and, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, he, he attacked me back. And then by that point, you know, he was restrained and we both went to the office. I mean, and I'm, I'm just in tears. Like, I can't believe that this happened. And what ended up happening to me at least is that I got suspended for uh, 10 or 15 days mm. Um, which I felt was commensurate with the offense, whether it be an accident or not, you know, at least at the time under those kind of current discipline policies. But then they took it a step further and they suspended me for a longer time period uh, Mm. pending a hearing. And I guess somewhere along the way, I was out of school so long, my mom was like, no, you know, we can't afford for him to fall behind because you know it's a difference when students are trying to complete work remotely or really getting it at all. And so, you know, she enrolled me in a private school and I guess we kind of lost track of the paperwork, but what ended up happening was that I got suspended for 180 days, a full school year. So I ended up going to a private school that year. And then we got a letter at some point that basically said that, you know, I had been recommended to the board of education for exposure. And I mean, again, I was young, I was in the eighth grade matriculating in the ninth grade. And I was like, wow, I mean, and my parents were deeply, you know, kind of hurt by that. Again, I was a good student, like without, you know, trying, and this is sure. a bragging point, I should have worked hard, but I mean, I was a B, B student, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. if I was pushed hard enough, could have been an A student. But anyway, that was kind of my life-changing experience. I ended up, you know, going back to um, Hazelwood schools, went to Hazelwood East High School, you know, did a pretty good job in school. Uh, didn't have any more incidences at all, no referrals. So I kind of turned my life around, uh, I guess, from that point. And then I also had a different level of confidence. That year out of that environment and, you know, out of school really changed me. Also, you know, did some things for myself to to uh, kind of raise my view of self. And, you know, again, in high school, people are a little bit more mature and it just wasn't an issue. So that was kind of my traumatic uh, experience growing up in schools is still is kind of somewhat of a trigger when I talk about it. So when we're in those meetings together and we're looking at disproportionality data and all that, I mean, it, it really, it does touch a nerve to be honest with you, because again, I, I hate that that was my experience and that was what happened to me. I don't think that I deserve to be expelled. Expelled. I, I wish that at some point, you know, teachers were able to come to, to my aid or some adult authority figure, but I don't know that people were looking at bullying and, you know, discipline that way back right. then. Right. Well, and, and that's, uh, you know, in our meetings, we, we only get about five minutes to, to kind of talk back and forth. And I knew that there was something there, um, when we first talked and I was, uh, I I was, uh, affected by what you had to say the first time around to know it, uh, of the, of the deeper sense now, man, Emmanuel, it's, it's, it's so cool to see who you are today when I hear something like that's what you had to go through, you know, and, and, uh, I don't know. I, I, I really respect you. And, and, uh, again, uh, an even deeper admiration for who you are and what you bring to the table, uh, just knowing you a little bit better. And I appreciate you sharing out. So you're, you're graduated from Hazelwood East, right? Yep. All right. And so, Hazelwood East. All right. And so then talk to me, what, what, what are the next steps? 
Yeah. All right. So this is where, um, you know, kind of my career path starts to manifest itself. And again, there's elements of it in my youth, uh, but I didn't recognize it at the time. So I'm in my senior year of high school. I'm playing football, running track at one point, wrestle two, but I'm running track and I'm okay. Again, I'm still somewhat uncoordinated, but I work really hard. Like, I mean, I really hustle like uh, at least athletically. And it does later on uh, translate to academics. Uh, But anyway, I was at a point in which I qualified for sectionals, but it was the same weekend my brother was graduating from college. And my brother, I call him a brainiac. He would probably be upset if I said that about him right now. (laughs) But my brother was graduating from college, and he was graduating salutatorian. Mm. And so I had a decision to make. Well, do I run in this track meet my senior year that I qualified for that, you know, is a necessary path to Mm -hmm. eventually make it to state? Or do I go to his graduation? And so I weighed the two, and it really didn't take very long for me to realize, look, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to qualify for state. Like I don't have the times, you know, like I just maybe a little bit too late there, mm-hmm. but going to my brother's graduation, supporting him, you know, putting him on a pedestal to, to speak uh, is more important than me getting whatever kind of accolades or fulfillment from this uh, track event. So I go down there and my brother goes to, or went to a historically black college, uh, Morehouse college, which is the same school that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Sure. went to and uh, many other uh, leaders. And so I'm sitting there, you know, not really knowing much about the college and the commencement speaker gets up and he starts talking. He says, you know, uh, a Morehouse man is a leader in his community. He's a leader in his home. You know, he's this and he is that, you know, he and I mean, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is the type of man that I want to be. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. the speaker, but the type of man that he was describing, the Morehouse man as a is you know, commonly called, uh, especially down in Atlanta, it's like, wow, I want to be a Morehouse man. I want to be, you know, that type of individual. And so I had already submitted my paperwork to go to the university uh, that I was going to go to here in Missouri. And I told my parents, I said, look, you know, after being at this graduation, this is where I need to be. Like, I, I want to become that type of man that the commencement speaker described. And so they said, all right, I applied. And I think I was the last student accepted into um, into that class. And so I got my acceptance papers in, I don't know, mid, late July, like literally a couple of days before it was time to be down there. When I got there, I didn't even have a room, Mm. Uh, but they accommodated me and they made things work out. I mean, there was a real sense of brotherhood. I should also mention that it's an all male uh, institution, but there was such a sense of brotherhood uh, and I felt like I was in my right place. So anyway, being there in school, uh, (laughs) I was there to study business. But the funny thing is, my roommate was studying political science, but he was a dorm barber. My roommate across the hall was studying uh, medicine, but you know he had a side hustle and he was making ringtones. A couple of guys down the hall who happened to be from St. Louis, they were both studying. One was studying biology to become a doctor eventually. The other was studying engineer. One of them you know, was building websites on the side and the other one was doing something. And I thought to myself, wow, everybody here has a side hustle. Everybody here, like, is something besides just a student. And I'm supposed to be majoring in business, but why is it that I don't have this kind of vision inside hustle? And what I later learned is that they all had early exposure uh, to career paths, something that I didn't necessarily have as much of. I had some of it, but not as much as they did. And then they also had those examples in their homes, in their communities, in their schools. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, that's something. And when I would come back home to St. Louis, some of the friends that I, I grew up with, you know, their measure of success was very low. It was, you know, I don't necessarily even want to talk about some of those things, but let's just say something like rapping, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like, well, I'm trying to get on by rapping. And I thought to myself, man, you were better in English class than me. Like, I wish that you knew that you could apply those skills to this career path or some of the guys that, you know, I would hear about that were selling drugs or something like that. And again, it wasn't like it was widespread, but you, you knew there were people doing that. I thought to myself, wow, Every guy that I know in business that's studying finance in Morehouse is going to, to uh, Wall Street to become an investment banker or to intern in investment banking. Like, I never even heard of investment banking until, you know, my sophomore year at college. I was like, why wasn't that we didn't hear about that in stockbrokers and all these other career paths when we were in school? That could have been a game changer for a lot of these students. And so that kind of became my passion. And the minute that I articulated that in a, a scholarship application, I got that scholarship, but that became my driving ambition. And every scholarship I applied for afterward, you know, I got that scholarship. So thank you to Foot Locker and AT&T and all those other organizations that uh, that awarded me scholarship. But again, that really became my passion that I wanted to learn as much about business as I could. But then I wanted to go back, um, go back to uh, school, uh, 
probably even the school that I went to, and I want to share everything that I learned with the students to provide them with exposure and opportunity and access so they too could, you know, find the best path forward for them. Uh, long story short, you know, I started working uh, in New York. I got a job offer working at Lord & Taylor as an uh, assistant buyer in the retail industry. And I started working a day after Lehman Brothers collapse. So we're talking about the financial crisis, uh, 2008. And I remember thinking every day, how long is this going to last? How long is this going to last? How long is this going to last? Mm-hmm. I love uh, aspects of my job. It was so cool to be able to you know, buy clothes. I felt like I was on MTV, uh, kind of living an MTV life. But there was still something tugging at me that I felt like I could do something more important with my life than buy clothes and make money for other people. That more important thing was teaching and helping other people to achieve success. Like that was my passion. Um, (laughs) And I kind of had a connection point because when I was younger, again, this is that passion that's always been a part of the thread of who I am. When I was younger, kids would be like, you know, why are you always telling us to do? Shut up. Stop telling us what to do. You're like a little Martin Luther King or something. Why are you always trying to tell us what to do? And again, it still gives me a trouble today. But again, like I I just generally wanted to help people and see them, you know, better themselves. And so, um, in early January 2009, you know, I left the retail industry. I got into a program called the New York City Teaching Fellows, and the rest is pretty much history. I started teaching business education, and then along the way, got exposed to kind of work-based learning and um, these career exposure opportunities. And it was everything that I wanted and thought I had to establish myself uh, because I thought I needed to start my own entrepreneurship programs. I didn't realize that those things were already out there. And when I discovered them as a middle and then a high school teacher in New York City, it was like, this is perfect. I cannot wait to bring these things back to St. Louis. Uh, and here I am today. Okay, so now you do come back to St. Louis, but you don't come directly to Rockwood. Right. Where, where do you land when you get back to St. Louis? Um, <laughs> so I actually ended up in the uh, Parkway School District teaching at uh, Parkway West High School. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Mike, I didn't know a whole lot about um, – St. Louis schools, again, because I started my professional career in New York City, right. and I didn't study education in undergrad or anything like that. I, I got my master's at the same time I was learning how to ride the bike or the same time I was learning how to teach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only really knew about the handful of schools in North County and then maybe one or two outside. And so, you know, when I was applying, I was basically applying for any opportunity because I knew wherever I went that I would be able to make an impact and I would be able to add value. Uh, and so when Parkway West landed up, I was like, oh, OK, there's a school Parkway West. And then I started to research. And I was like, wow, this is a pretty good school. Yeah. So so once you get there, um, you're there for a couple years, right? Yep. Uh, four years. Four years. And, um, you know, you were recognized for some things there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about that. What, what kind of things like your final year? What was wasn't that the year that you you got a pretty nice accolade? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a <laughs> that was really special. So um, the last year I was at Parkway West High School, I actually got uh, Teacher of the Year, yeah, which was such a unbelievable honor. Like I still look back and like, wow, I can't believe that you know that they that my colleagues thought enough of me. Uh, because again, you know what it's like to be a classroom teacher. Sure. You know, sometimes you can be so much in your own head and in your own classroom, like, you know, and focus so much on your practice that you don't really always see the value of what you're bringing to uh, your students and even to the entire school community. Again, the entire time that I was at Parkway West, for the most part, I was just kind of in learner mode. Like I was looking at what other colleagues were doing and, you know, I'm a good synthesizer. So I see what they're doing and then I find a way to apply it to what I'm doing. I mean, and that's what I was doing. Somebody said that, you know, be a teacher's like to be like a pirate or a good thief. You know, you see good practice, you take it and then you tweak it and make it your own. And that's that's all that I was doing wherever I saw it. Um, it's good to know that they paid off in that way. Yeah. So one of the things that's really difficult about being an educator is a lot of times we don't get to see the fruits of our labor um, the moment that we are, 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 are in it, you know, so, so we might have a kid for a year, um, but not see the benefits of our teaching, their learning and, and vice versa. Um, have you had any, any kiddos come back and, and talk to you about, uh, being in your class or, or getting to know uh, where they are now, that kind of stuff? Yeah. And Mike, you're incredibly, uh, right about that. A lot of educators don't get the opportunity to see the fruit of their labors, but I've been incredibly fortunate and blessed where I've had dozens of students reach out. I just want to tell a very short story yeah. here. I'll make it really quick. 
a couple of years ago, while I was still at Parkway West, I was interviewed uh, by a local newspaper, and they asked me about being a minority teacher or a black teacher, you know, in school, and, you know, do you feel like you have an impact on students, and, you know, a couple of questions. And I really wasn't prepared for the interview. I didn't know what I was being interviewed about. And I said, you know, I don't I don't know that I'm having the impact that I would like to have on the black students. Like, I, for whatever reason, I just don't feel like I'm really having that much of an impact. And, you know, I've thought about that nearly every single day since then, because, again, like I really wanted to, you know, uh, to make an impact. And I thought that there was a lot to be said about students seeing representation, you know, teachers that look like them. Again, I had good relationships and all that. But again, I just wasn't sure that I was making an impact. Well, it wasn't until, you know, maybe a year later that I started getting all these emails and LinkedIn messages from, you know, African-American students that I had taught back in New York City schools. And they were saying things like, Mr. Young, today I am a professional you know, chef, today I'm a real estate agent, today I'm a whatever. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. I know you think that I wasn't listening when I was in your class, but I was listening and I took those messages. Whew, I took those messages <laughs> to heart and today I'm a, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And my wife and I, I mean, we just kind of had that cried out celebratory moment like, man, you know, it, you got through to them. You know, I was seeing immediate fruit in some students. And, and I think about it like planting. My wife's growing a garden in our backyard. Yeah. Like, you know, when you scatter the seeds, sometimes that seed can sprout up really quickly, you know, in some students. But others, it goes a little bit deeper and it takes a little bit more time for the, you know, the, the plant to grow and for it to produce fruit. But you better believe that those roots are strong. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see in those students that I'm just now hearing back from. And I mean, it really... It really is something good. Um, like I feel a high level of satisfaction about the time that I spent in the classroom, those 10 years. Uh, I miss teaching, but at the same time, I felt comfortable enough moving forward uh, to, to broaden my reach and to be able to help more students. Like I feel like I really gave it all that I had. And it's really good to see, you know, some of the, uh, those seeds begin to bear root and, and to produce fruit. Yeah. So um, you talk about being in the classroom and how, you know, you know, 10 years being in the classroom um, is a drop in the bucket for some people. Some some spend their whole lives, you know, um, in the classroom. Um, you and I both have, have stepped out of the classroom and, and still have something to do with education, um, obviously. But, um, you know, you know, now you are affecting quite a few more people than maybe you were. Um, and not as directly, because now the the decisions that you're making affect a greater community. You know, um, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the position you're in now and and what it's been like for you. How many folks work for you? Let me let, in your department. Uh, <laughs> it's been so long. Uh, I know them all by name, but I, I think I have 15 employees. Okay, so 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 you've got. 15 people that you could call your own little classroom there. But then beyond that, you're working with every single school in our district on how you can bring services to them. You know, um, what do you see your impact being now and and then maybe in the future? And 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 where does uh, your career path take to you? Do you do you have a vision for things or um I know that's sometimes hard to talk about because people would think, uh-oh, he's not going to stay in this spot for very long. Um, but, you know, I see big things for you, Emmanuel. I feel like, you know, when I meet somebody of your caliber, um, I, I, I try to soak up as much as I can in the time that I, I, get, I get to be around you because I can see you moving on and, and doing other things. And that's not a bad thing whatsoever. It's just... Where do you see yourself as you continue down these paths? What's your vision for yourself in your career? Wow. Um, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it, it really means a lot. Uh, I will say that I'm the type of person that when I played sports, again, I was uncoordinated, but I worked really, really, really hard. Sure. And that eventually earned me some starting time and some, some uh, clock time. But my coach said this about me. He said, Young, you only got two speeds. Stop and go. <laughs> And that really speaks to kind of who I am personality-wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I go all in. Uh, Right now, I'm laser-focused on this work that I'm doing right now, and I'm trying to do the absolute best job that I can do in this role that I'm in. It was the same way when I was a teacher. I thought that I'd be a teacher, you know, pretty much my entire career. Sure. Like, I'm like, this is where I'm making the most impact. I'm on the front lines. Um, But now my perspective is uh, has broadened uh, through conversations with wonderful individuals such as yourself, um, people that can see things in 
me that I can't always see myself, which is why I think it's so important that every kid uh, has a mentor or some form of champion. I know that's a familiar saying sure, around these parts sure. of Rockwood. Um, but just to talk about my vision for kind of the pie department, my predecessor, Kim Litzaw, did a phenomenal job of building up this department and scaling mm-hmm. it. Again, Absolutely. we serve, you know, close to 22,000 students, uh, population of Rockwood. Uh, she left so much good uh, groundwork. What I've really done is I've been able to just kind of pick the ball up and then lay the tracks for uh, kind of the path forward or the way forward. Uh, part of that is just, you know, kind of digital integration and proving the way that we do things to make it more efficient, to provide more transparency for uh, schools and administrators and parents. But then also, you know, I see as a huge growth area, kind of the career focus piece of our work. Uh, experiential learning is huge, you know, and our district has made significant investment and will continue to make investment in that area. But I, I want to bring our learning experiences to more students. The summer when I got here, we had 80 students in our uh, summer internship program, which is remarkable, 80 students. Well, I wanted to scale that program. Like, I want to get to a point where we're serving even more. Um, We accepted 120 into our program this year, but obviously we didn't know about uh, COVID at the time. And and unfortunately, you know, we were – the goal was to grow the program 30 percent, and we actually ended up only being able to place 30 percent of the students – But still speaking, I mean, it's remarkable that in this environment, we've still been able to provide these experiential learning opportunities for students. Uh, But I really look forward to finding creative ways to serve more students. Like, that is my passion. Uh, I'm sitting in my office right now, and I've got a a whiteboard in front of me. And right right in front of my eyes, it says, underrepresented. That's one thing that I'm looking at right now. Like, who are some of the students in our school that aren't getting these experiences who need them the most? Like, these could be game changers for a lot of students. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was my passion for getting into education. I want to serve all students. Absolutely. That is my heart. Uh, And I think anybody in education, especially in Rockwood, they get where I'm coming from. But I especially want to help those that need it the most. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is find a way to keep serving the students that are, you know, knocking on our doors at a 4.2s. And but then we also want to get some of those, you know, uh, 2.5s uh, to take advantage of the experiences, because, again, it could be catalyst for great long term success. The lights come on for different people at different times or uh, kind of to go back to that seed uh, right. uh, story that I was telling there. Sometimes the seed sprouts at different times for different people. But I think, you know, these experiences of getting students out of the door, showing them what's possible, those are all kind of seed watering moments. And I want to uh, continue to bring those to more students, especially those that are typically unrepresented in our programs. Well, and I appreciate you talking about that a little bit because one of the things that the district tries to um, is really working at at doing a better job on is uh, is the welcome home program, trying to get kids from diverse backgrounds to to come into education. If this is something that you are interested in doing, we want to see you back in a Rockwood school after you're finished with your college programming, right? So um, you've been a part of the Welcome Home program since you got here, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, what kind of things do you think um, our school district could maybe work on in order to uh, help our kids know that this is a great place for you to come back and work because that is something that we struggle with within many of our schools in, in terms of how are we representative of the kids that we teach, right? And and uh, I would say I would look at my own building. That is something that we've we've struggled with and is getting people of color um, to to even apply for our positions, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of things do you see being ways inroads? What what kind of things could we be doing maybe to to do that better? I yeah. one of the things that I've liked is LinkedIn has really opened me up a little bit. I stayed away from that stuff. I'm a little bit older than you, so so I, I wasn't so quick to get on some of those things. But one of the things that I've learned is LinkedIn is a great resource for us to really build a network, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I think that would be something that I would push us to maybe do more of in terms of uh, our district, maybe looking for ways to, to find people. But do you have any thoughts or ideas about about how to improve us uh, along those terms? Uh, yeah, just a couple of thoughts. And I also want to commend the school district because I think that they are making great strides forward and have been really innovative and in, in, in trying to increase kind of the pipeline for minority students. Right, right. 
But, you know, one thing I'll say, and maybe this is kind of a selfish piece because this is what I do, but I think it's important that we tap into those students earlier in the pipeline. Like we need to identify those students that maybe even be remotely interested in teaching, you know, as early as middle school and try to find a way to kind of fan that fan that fire in the flames, if you will. Uh, And so again, I I see one of the ways that I personally can be involved with that is again, through kind of the career conference and other opportunities just to, uh, expose those students. Again, they have teachers in front of them every day, but there's also something to be said about kind of the, uh, the mirrors kind of, uh, right. philosophy, you know, you can't be what you don't see. And so, you know, in our schools, we don't have a lot of diversity. We don't have a lot of, uh, teachers of color in our schools. And I know, again, that's something our district is working hard to change, but it's important that, you know, students of color see teachers of colors to, to see what's possible. And even to have some very con- candid conversation about how'd you get here? How'd you make it? Again, some of the challenges, that uh, our minority students face, you know, uh, are, are common challenges. And it's helpful when you can have that conversation with somebody else that can relate to, you know, where you are, what you're going through, even if it isn't 100 percentage same. So, again, I think one of the pieces is, you know, increasing, um, you know, representation in the classroom and then providing opportunities for students to talk with those teachers. Um, yeah, there are a couple other things kind of swirling around in my head here. But, well, again, I, I, go ahead. I look forward to just uh, – you know, kind of seeing you in person again. I think the last time you and I actually saw each other was at the career conference, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, it seems like forever ago. I know. Well, it was. That was February, right? So um, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, it was the winter. It was cold yep. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, I, I know uh, I have to be in a meeting tomorrow. I don't know if you're going to be in that one, but. Uh, uh, you know, as we're looking to the fall here, you know, we're in a we're in a different place uh, altogether when we when we think about, you know, my whole life, education has looked a certain way. Um, we've pushed on the idea of of more of an online experience and dabbled with it. But really, you know, come March 13th this year, um, we had to flip a switch and, and try and and uh, you know, bring all of our kids online, bring all of our families online, our teachers as well. You know, um, I don't know if you, you saw just yesterday, but you know, uh, uh, we are, the County is, is saying, yes, private and public schools can go ahead and open. Um, but there needs to be social distancing and there needs to be masks, uh, required, that kind of thing. Um, do you have any thoughts about, you know, the changing role of education, because the traditional setup that we've had that you and I both have known probably throughout our school uh, careers, um, it, it, it is, it, it's not under fire. I don't want to say that, but it, it is definitely, there's a microscope on it right now and, mm-hmm. and looking at what can we do different that can make this better. Um, you have any thoughts about, you know, have you ever had to take an online course? Have you ever had oh. to, to um, yeah, so talk to me a little bit about your feelings about all this kind of stuff. Uh, well, I'll just say about COVID in general, COVID-19 is an accelerator. Right. You know, things that people have been working on <clears throat> and would have taken years to roll out, all of a sudden, like you said, were forced up on us and we had right. to test it. So, you know, there are a lot of naysayers and, and for good reason in a lot of cases they were hesitant to pivot to online and virtual instruction. Uh, but again, when we had no choice, uh, we had to pilot it. We had to test it out. And I think that the school district has learned a lot of great things uh, from this. Uh and, you know, I've sat in some of the meetings with uh, Shelly and the curriculum team, and I know that they're working very hard to, you know, address some of the challenges and to make it uh, more equitable for all. But, you know, you kind of look at education and people have been saying for years, we still have this hundred year old model of education. We need to change education. We need to flip this thing around. I mean, people have been talking about this for years, but progress has been very, very slow, at least, okay. you know, kind of widespread. I think the accelerator factor of COVID-19 has really provided the opportunity for school districts to become more innovative. Uh, and we look at it from like an assets barrier uh, standpoint, you know, uh, the traditional structure, you know, provided some assets barriers for some of our students, but pivoting to, you know, kind of a hybrid model can open a door for others, but then it also brings its own assets challenges with it. You know, I'm specifically talking about things like access to internet. Um, I'm actually in a, um, 
grad school cohort with some folks from down south of Missouri, kind of the Boulevard area. And, you know, they were telling me that some of their teachers have to camp outside of McDonald's in order to have access to Wi-Fi because mm. they don't have it in their local communities. Mm. And I just thought to myself, my gosh, we're so resource rich oh, we are. In, in Rockwood, you know, and, and I really think a lot about those districts and those counties, uh, whether they be rural or urban, that don't have access to the resources. And I wonder about those kids. Like, I don't want them to continue to or I don't want them to be left behind. Uh, again, we look at the opportunity gap and the achievement gap, and you know, you see those differences. And I think how technology can help close that gap. But if you don't, you know, plan for it, it can accelerate or expand that gap in some cases. So, uh, yeah, those are just some of the things I think about in terms of how do I feel about online learning. Um, <laughs> me personally, as a learner, and you can tell that I'm a social person. When I have a relationship with people, with people, like I really flourish. Um, I, I like being around people. For me personally, I don't love being in a, a, a digital learning environment where I sure. don't get to interact with other people because I really like to hear what other people have to say, although I've dominated 90% of the airtime here. But I, <laughs> but I really do benefit from listening and talking to other people. And so those are some challenges and some things that you know definitely need to be worked out. But personally, I would prefer to be sitting in front of a teacher uh, in the class with some other folks just to benefit from kind of the social gains that can take place in a traditional academic setting. But that's me personally as a learner. I do think we need to have plans in place to accommodate people that are maybe a little bit different or maybe uh, have different needs. And I think that, again, our district is doing a pretty good job of trying to think through all those scenarios and how do we really serve all given those circumstances. Yeah, you know, these next couple of weeks are really going to be telling as to where we're going to head with all of this. Um, I am going to pivot just a little bit. I need to know a little bit more about you personally, you know. Um, you talked about your wife a little bit. You got some kids, though, too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah? How many kids you got? I've got four kids, so I've got a four, six, and under. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's like all at once, huh? Um, Oh yeah, it it, feels like it. (laughs) Is it pretty hectic? Do you see? Do you see? um, uh, So your oldest is six, you said. Yep. So you're really just now starting to get into education for your kids within the the school years, right? Mm -hmm. And it is so different being on the parent side of things. uh, I see things differently. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think also being in education, that definitely um, is a different lens than, than most um, might might have coming into a situation. But um, do you uh, do any of the kids favor you in terms of looks or personality? <laughs> uh, all of them. You know, <laughs> they 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 equally look like both my wife and I. Yeah. Uh, but personality, like I see so much of me <laughs> in each one of my kids, and it's a different piece of me right. in every kid. Right. Uh, so I see both the good, the bad, and the ugly, I guess, is the uh, best way to say it. My oldest son, you know, when he was born and, you know, he started to kind of develop his character and everything, I said, man, he's going to be a teacher. Uh, mm-hmm. and he still may be, but he has an interest in science. He's so inquisitive and curious, always asking questions mm-hmm. and always talking, too, which is why I thought he'd be a good <laughs> teacher. But I say, my goodness, I was just like you when I was a kid. And, you know, my mom and, and dad, they look at him and was like, oh, my gosh, he's a chip off the old block. And, <laughs> you know, and all the other kids, again, in their own ways, they're like me as well. So it's just really fun and funny to, to see it come out in them. And then so um, you mentioned mom and dad. Do you, how about siblings? You got any siblings? Yeah. Um, so I have a brother who lives in California. I have a sister who lives in Florida, and they left me in the middle. So. Yeah. Uh, we're, uh, and then what's the um, – the who, who's the oldest, who's the middle, who's the youngest? I'm the middle, so the middle stuck in the middle. Yeah. Uh, my brother is the oldest, uh, and my sister is the youngest. Oh, boy. So she probably got all the – she was like oh, yeah. a princess, right? She's so spoiled. <laughs> well, I can tell you're a little bit of a middle child because I am as well. And so uh, that's why uh, we connect so well. Exactly. Huh? Because you, you got so much to say, but not everybody wants to hear it because right? <laughs> they got their own thing going on. Hey, listen, so um, before we wrap up, uh, any shout outs you want to give to anybody out there in, in the world? I always want to give a shout out to my wonderful, lovely patient, kind wife, uh, who's been my biggest cheerleader, who's believed in me, who's seen things in me, um, since we've known each other that I didn't see myself as things that I'm still coming to realize. Uh, I also like to give a shout out to, uh, 
I don't know. Hello, everybody. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's crazy. You'll you'll see. There'll be people that you didn't realize would be listening or going to listen because I'll tag you in all this, and so you know uh, you'll be able to share it out and 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 see who who would like to to hear a little bit more from Emmanuel. But you know, one of the things I just wanted to say to you is uh, I just appreciate big time. First of all, you being here and and giving me some time to learn a little bit more about you. Um, because I, I truly do appreciate who you are, uh, where you come from, what you bring to the table. I think uh, you are a, a gem of a person, and I, I, I really, um, you know, you, you just speak from the heart, and I really appreciate that, Emmanuel, because I think, you know, if more of us could do that, um, we'd, we'd see good things happen all around us. Um, and so I appreciate you being like that, you being open to sharing who you are, um, talking through some of the tough stuff. Um, I think there's so much more that you and I could probably delve into and maybe in time we can, um, because I just think there's a lot of learning that needs to take place. And, and I know that there are people who are thirsting to understand and, 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 um, learn more. So thank you so much for being here today. Hey, my pleasure. Mike, I've got one burning question for yeah, you. Yeah. I was listening to a previous episode yeah. in which you said <laughs> you and your wife get up at 4.30 a.m. and you take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we what do. Time, what time do you go to bed at night? Uh, about 5.30. No. <laughs> we, we uh, well, you know, we would, uh, 4.30 is is what we would do when when things were more normal, you know, when, when we had those schedules that we had to really stick to. Um, I'll be honest with you, this morning we got up and, and got out about 6.30. So it's about two hours less uh, uh, or two hours more than what we uh, normally, uh, you know, spend in bed. But um, the, the thing is, what's cool about taking a walk every day with Michelle is, is being able to kind of, you know, talk about the days uh, prior and then, you know, what's coming up and, and just having that moment together. Because, you know, when we are busy, when we are scheduled out, it's very difficult for you to actually find the time to say hello. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so for us, what's been kind of cool is we've been doing it for a good, um, year and a half. And, uh, and even through some of the cold winter months, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, let's get up and try and do it. And so, uh, if, if it's not raining or snowing, then we most likely are, are out there doing a walk, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those things we're trying to make a lifelong habit out of it. Cause we're not runners and we're not, you know, the kind that work out all the time. Uh, that's not who we are, but, uh, the walk is always a good thing. So, um, thanks for bringing it up. But, uh, again, thank you so much for being here, sir. I do appreciate who you are. I look forward to getting to know you more as the years progress. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I don't know if you know, do you know what our outro is for the end of the show? I don't. So the, the, the name of the show is Mike's on. So when we finish up, we say, what do you think? Mike's on. Oh, Mike's off. And there you go. So <laughs> Emmanuel, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Mike. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.